Welcome to the 2S Podcast with Gage and Mike. This is Gage, the philosopher. And this is Mike, the farmer. Welcome back, everybody, to the 2F's Podcast. It's a uh, beautiful, snowy afternoon. First real snowfall of the season, really. Yeah, here in southeastern Indiana. And, um, yeah, it's a delight to see. I bought some beautiful wintry flowers for my girlfriend. Who doesn't listen to the podcast, so she won't know about it until nope. she sees them. Nope, I hit them. I think my mic's fixed. So, uh, this episode, it'll, it'll probably be a shorter one. But, um, interesting and some good food for thought nonetheless. It'll be, it'll be a good one. Go ahead and start us off with some quotes. All right, so my quote is by Alexander the Great. It says, for my own part, I would rather excel in knowledge of the highest secrets of philosophy than in arms. Say it one more time. For my own part, I would rather excel in knowledge of the highest secrets of philosophy than in arms. Who's that from? Alexander the Great. A man that conquered most of the known world. <laughs> but one of the secrets of the world, the philosophy, the truth. Yeah. Hmm. So I thought that was why I was going through the quotes and I seen that. And I'm like, yeah, that's got to be mine for this week. <clears throat> Just because of the, I don't know if I'd call it like irony, but it almost in a way I would say he's saying that because he, he was, he never lost a battle. So I, I guess that's kind of why it's like, well, is he saying that because he already knows most of the secrets of arms or. All right. Or cause he doesn't know and he wants to know <laughs> or yeah. he, or like you said, he knows and sees them as much more valuable and important than all his military conquests. Yeah. Which, if that's the case, then that really means something. Yeah. he has both, and he chose what he'd rather give up if he had to. Well, and that goes, kind of goes along with the quote where he was saying that if I were not Alexander, I would rather be Diogenes. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, that's kind of kind of crazy, really, to think about. I thought you'd enjoy that one. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like something I would pick out. <laughs> mixing it up on you oh shit uh, you got your quote yeah I, was, I actually thought about changing it up last minute mm. um, but I'll do this one because I think it kind of goes in line with our sort of story really is what it is <coughs> beginning Excuse of it's more so a story mm-hmm and I feel like this kind of goes along with it. It's by St. Cosmas Atolos. That sounds Greek. Yeah, it does. 
<laughs> it's kind of lengthy, but not too bad. It's two sen- three sentences. If a man insults me, kills my father, my mother, my brother, and then gouges out my eye, as a Christian it is my duty to forgive him. We who are pious Christians ought to love our enemies and forgive them. We ought to offer them food and drink and entreat God for their souls. And then we should say, my God, I beseech thee to forgive me as I have forgiven my enemies. Hmm. That's a hard one to take. Yeah. Because that, that is what Jesus says is turn the other cheek. love your enemy. Yeah, And, turn and the if other you cheek. do not forgive, God will not forgive you. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa, that's hard. Well, in a way, it's like uh, the story of uh, Samson and Delilah. In the, the, I believe that's how, what it is, Samson and Delilah in the Bible, where mm-hmm. Samson, the guy that his hair had to be long and God would give him an unbelievable strength. I don't know. I don't recall that one. Oh, well, he, uh, the only remembers because he had his eyes gouged out in, in the story. Yeah. But, I mean, but what, what, I'm guessing that's an Orthodox saint. I don't know. It might be both. Okay. I don't recall. I don't, there wasn't a year on it. Well, what I kind of find ironic about that with being an Orthodox saint is in, in the Byzantine Empire, there was a, uh, I can't remember the emperor, but he was the, oh, what the hell was, oh, he was like known the scourge of the scourge of the Bulgars, talking about people from Bulgaria, essentially. And uh, he, when he won a battle and the, the Bulgarians surrendered because they've been attacking the Byzantine Empire so much that he actually blinded. 99 out of every 100 men and left the 100th man with one eye to guide the other ones home. That's harsh. So that's why I kind of find it ironic because especially well, if, it, if it's an Orthodox saint and, and the Byzantine Empire was Orthodox. And, and, and that that's the thing that a lot of people have trouble with. And in a way, the Bible kind of prophesies or Jesus even says it um, and like the coming of the end of days, even the elect are likely to be, de- be deceived and not follow me. They yeah. may confess my name and do many miracles, but I will not know them. And yeah. he goes on to continue in context. That's because they did not forgive. They did not love their enemy, let alone their neighbor. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, so the requirements of like, I guess I guess it would view, be viewed as God's love is unconditional. Yeah. But in order for us to accept it, in order for well, in order for us to be able to receive it, there are conditions. Right? You yeah. can't refuse love because if God is love and you refuse love, you're refusing God, which is unconditional love. So mm-hmm. if you don't love your enemies and you don't forgive you are not in the kingdom of heaven. And that's a hard one to accept. If you really take your faith seriously, mm-hmm. it's like, wow, I got a long ways to go. Yeah. And, well, and it's, it's one of them things where it's just, it's almost ingrained in, and, and not just even in Western society, just society in general across the world of, you know, this guy did me wrong. You know, it's, it's, 
you know, like the quote, revenge is a dish best served cold, you know? Yeah, an eye for an eye. Which is in the Old Testament, but Jesus... Jesus come, refutes it. Or Jesus <laughs> refutes it, yes. So, I don't know. It, it just, it's it's strange when you really get to the meat and potatoes of it. Yeah, well, that that's what's so revolutionary is... Jesus's teachings weren't just revolutionary for that for his time. It still is for our time. Oh, 100%. Because it, it it almost entirely goes against your instincts, your normal human nature, you yeah. know, stuff like that. Well, our fallen nature. Yeah, well, and like we've said before, quite a few times we do live on a fallen world, mm-hmm. you know, so. But, yeah, does, that can't be an excuse. Cause no. Jesus says, be perfect. Yeah, be perfect as your father in heaven is perfect. Mm. But yeah, and that that's the thing. Like we were talking about the Byzantine Empire and just in general, what Christian nations have done, or even today, look at Russia and Ukraine. Both Christian nations. Yeah, Christian nations. And it's like, you know, there's ways to justify it, but even Orthodox monks and mm. current what people would call saints are speaking against it, saying. Yeah, you call yourself Christian, you go to the church and stuff, but you're not. You're not acting it. And yeah. they don't they don't agree with any of this. And both in the Catholic tradition and the Orthodox, it's the monasteries and the monks that they rely on to mm-hmm. keep people straight. Like, hey, yeah. you're not following the Christian way. <laughs> well, cuz even if you want to look at it from like the like Catholic perspective, Roman Catholic perspective is uh, the Crusades. That was commissioned by the Pope. Yeah, and then which Pope was it that uh, apologized and asked for forgiveness for it? I couldn't tell you. Was it the last Pope we had, I think, Benedict. or the one before? I think it was the one before. So it was either Benedict the Sixteenth or John Paul the Second. I think it was John Paul said admitted they were mistakes and asked for forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's possible. Like I said, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I mean, and, and that's and and that's part of the the thing with when it comes to the the church and its people. I mean, people are can be corrupted. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what level of the of the religion or society or however you want to look at it, yep. is that people can be be uh, persuaded by the wrong things by the wrong people. By the the philosophy and wisdom of the world, as Paul puts it. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty well the best way to kind of sum that up. <laughs> and Yeah, when you look at the church, it's an institution. It's an organization. But, you know, they would say it's an institution that's a relationship between the divine and man. And it's man's involvement that corrupts it and makes things ruined. Mm-hmm. But the pearl of great price is still in there for people to get out. No matter how far the institution gets away from it, Mm -hmm. it's still there for people to take. And that's, that's why there are several saints. Well, I wouldn't say several, like there's a a vast majority of saints that were martyrs for that said reason. They were, you would go against something that was commonly accepted, you know, at the time. And they were kind of going against it. That well, hell, Jesus was the main cruci- cruci- yeah, crucified for it. Yeah, you know, which is a, a horrible death in and of its own right. And it was one meant for the 
worse of worse people to be full humiliation. Yeah, because like some other like I know everybody listens probably heard of Spartacus. You know, they made several movies. Well, the uh, the one the ones that were fought, captured at the end of the rebellion that Spartacus started were crucified on both sides of the road leading into Rome. Hmm. Like lining the the road. That way anybody going in and out would see like, hey, this is what happens when you defy defy Rome. Do you imagine? Mm, be, Gosh. Well, I, I've I listened to a thing about it because I was like kind of curious and I'm almost like a morbid curiosity about it. And you know what the actual cause of death is from crucifixion? Suffocation. Suffocation. Because you can't hold yourself up. And when your legs give up on you, it crush your lungs start to crush or suffocate. Well, you just, you can't, you can't inhale. Yeah. Or no, you can't exhale. That's what it is. You can inhale, but you can't exhale. So like they said, when Jesus was on the cross, he had to push himself up to exhale. That's why they broke his legs. Yeah. Because if you're lasting too long, they break your legs, and that's kind of their pity for you is breaking your legs. Yeah. Which is, which is is crazy. That's the way. Because at all the things you know you think about when it comes to that, you know, it's suffocation is how you die. They didn't break Jesus's legs though, did they? He he ended up dying, and then they stabbed him in the side. Yeah. But I don't think they broke his legs. No, they. That was the whole point of. The, he was already all bleeding out way yeah before then well and that was kind of the point of the punishment is it was supposed to be slow and painful yeah and a and a public affair essentially that way everybody walking by could see you because i mean not not saying you'd last a, a awful long time but you would last a while trying to push yourself up and and exhale and stuff so i mean it was just i don't know it's fucked up That's, way to go i'd be throwing up <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'd be like, you know what? Just, just stab me. I can make it quick. But all right. Well, our our main topic today, as the title says, is Saint Moses the Black. And I think I think it goes with my quote pretty well because he's a good example of how people how you know big thing people people say is people don't change. People don't change, and we know that's not true, especially for people that have changed. Like, if it's true that uh, people don't change, well, then why are we do anything? Yeah. <laughs> well, what's the point of self improvement and working on yourself or whatever if people don't change? And not only do people change in little ways, but some people take a whole one eighty. And there's plenty of stories out there that aren't saints, just. Your everyday people, I take a whole one eighty. Well, in a way that it's kind of almost on ties with our saint from last week. Yeah, Saint Olga of Kiev. Yeah, which what's crazy is, is this is almost the, or this is before her, you know. Mm-hmm. Because he was, um, he, uh, he was the year he was born in thirty three A.D. in Ethiopia. And died in uh, 405 A.D. in Sectus, Egypt. And he 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 has an interesting story. They say he was a real big guy. 
Yeah, mountain of a man. Real strong, real tall. And, um, now, well, I kind of want to say before we get into too much, he is actually venerated in multiple churches. Like last week, you know, St. Olga was venerated in the Orthodox and the, uh, the Roman Catholic Church. Well, he's venerated in the Eastern Orthodox Church, the Oriental Orthodoxy, the Catholic Church, the Anglican Communion, and Lutheranism. I didn't even know the Lutherans had commemorated saints in that. I didn't know that either until now. (laughs) Hmm. Well, until I was reading on this. But, yeah, I thought that was, that was, uh, that was strange. I think that's the most I've ever seen somebody venerated by different, different churches. Especially for one that you never hear about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't ever, you don't ever hardly hear about him. I mean, it, it was. I honestly think I heard about him on some because I, I have a lot of history shit on TikTok and stuff like that. I think that's where I first heard from him. Is I seen a video about Saint Moses the Black, and it was kind of just a brief overview of like who he was and how he became who he, the man. He, you know, essentially, he died a different man than he was born. Oh yeah, and he, he was he started out as a slave. Yeah, and he was causing too much trouble for the owners, and ended up murdering someone, and they just pretty much exiled him, got rid of him. Yeah, yeah, essentially, because he was uh, the slave of a government official in Egypt. So essentially, from what I gathered, is it kind of just exiled him to the fucking desert you know like hey good luck <laughs> you know and that's when he, he came across a gang pretty much of um of robbers. criminals robbers yeah. all sorts of stuff and he joined them and with him being the biggest and the strongest and from what i've read in a couple places kind of the most ruthless he oh, yeah. quickly became the leader and he took charge and they did all sorts of stealing and murdering and raping. Yeah, I mean, he just he was a legit piece of crap, you know. Yeah, <laughs> like below the low of like yeah, the scum. you'd see on the news and yes. we'd be like execute him. <laughs> yeah, scum of the earth type shit. And <laughs> I, I only read this in one story, but he he went to um, rob some guy's house or whatever, but the dogs or something gave him away. So he ran away and escaped and to get revenge. He had his knife in his mouth and swam across the river. Did you read this? Yeah, I was kind of, I read bits and pieces. Of it. Let's see what this one doesn't. I got two things up here, but he swims across the river and goes to try and steal the sheep. And, I think he did. He couldn't yeah, rob he, him, so the, he took the animals. Yeah, the owner, the dogs alerted him. Once, alerted the owner once again, and um, essentially, he the owner hid, and Moses couldn't find him. So what they what he ended up doing was stealing the sheep and sl- took them to slaughter, and then sold the fleece for wine. Mm-hmm. And said, and essentially, how he came across the monks is he was hiding from the authorities. Right. They're all after him, and he found the um, a colony in the desert, or a skeet, really. There's just a type of monastery mm. near Alexandria. Yeah, it was, uh, 
It was in the desert of Wadi El Natrun. That, which is what I guess its modern name is, but it's Sectus, Sketus, whatever, near Alexandria. A skeet. Skeets. Yeah, Skeetus. Skeetus Deletus. But he's hiding out there and they welcomed him. And the he wasn't convinced by logic mm-hmm. or philosophy. He saw the way they lived their lives. They they were completely peaceful, content, joyful people, and they cared for him and loved him as if he wasn't what he was. Yeah. And didn't call him out or um condemn him. And he was completely taken away by their joy and peace and love. He stayed. Yeah, and, and got ended up getting baptized. And it, but it, I think I believe it took some time. He had to convince them. He kept he refused to leave and stay. And after a while, they let him in. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it was they didn't because usually it's a common thing. And it actually started off with the Jews, um, especially nowadays. Like if you want to join, if you want to convert to Judaism, they'll make it so difficult as a test of like, do you really want to? Mm. And so that's kind of what they were doing is, is this really what you want? So yeah. they were kind of testing him, so to speak. Well, even in like the Roman Catholic faith, you have to go through a bunch of classes and all kinds of different things just to, just to be able to, to join the faith. It might not be as extensive as the Jews at the time or now, but back then, you know, it's still, it's not just like walking up to the church and be like, hey, you know, I want to join your religion. But, so, he uh, he kind of had uh, some difficult time adjusting to the, the discipline of the, of the monks. Yeah, he, he was very obedient and followed everything, but he struggled with it. Yeah. Well, you you think about it just the way he, you know, the life he lived and how he was out of it for however long, you know. I mean, I could see that being being kind of a, a, a blockage to being like, hey, like, you know, you can't do this. You can't do that. Like, you got to follow this strict set of guidelines that we got going on here. Right. And, and he wanted to. It was just a struggle. And one night. Uh, his old gang came back to rob him. Yeah, yeah, they. And he was still strong, and he pretty much beat him up to the extent he had to to get him to stop mm-hmm. and tied him up. Yeah, and and which I guess just to clarify to people, like the monks back then were a little bit different than monks now. Back then, there was still hard labor. Like you still had to split firewood. You still had you had to repair the monastery. You had to do this. You know, you weren't just a. You know, you you didn't just transfer. You know, writings and copied them or whatever and stuff like that. You also went through and you had daily labor. Yeah, uh, everyone has their task, whether it's cleaning, chopping wood. I mean, it's and even today in most monasteries. At least most Orthodox ones and even Catholic ones that are more out in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of physical labor. It's it's a tough life. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's so you're thinking that, you know, he's essentially, he's not really gone into a sedentary lifestyle. He's still physically fit mm-hmm. at the time. I, not to cut you off, but I just kind of wanted to explain how. Yeah, he, he by no way just, I know a lot of people think of monks of having an easy life. All they do is meditate or pray and go to bed. Mm-hmm. Everything's taken care of. It's yeah. like, no, they, and, and a lot of monasteries, like real traditional ones, they only sleep like four hours. Yeah. Yeah. Because they, they have one. And sometimes depending on what religion or whatever, they have to wake up at certain times in the night to do, to say certain prayers. And there's like, even in the middle of the day, there's different prayers that you got to stop for. And yeah, they'll usually like wake up at four or five in the morning. They'll have an entire service. That's at least in the Orthodox church. It's four hours long. Mm-hmm. Then they do their works. Then they have a meal time and prayer throughout, and more labor until the vest, the evening vespers, and then it's more labor than prayer than four or five hours of sleep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I mean, because even back then, you know, you're preserving meat, you're tending to the garden, you're preserving vegetables, and so you somebody had to cook. You know. Yeah, it's a so. very laborious, disciplined life. Very mentally challenging. Which is kind of the part of it. It's almost military. <laughs> yeah, yeah, in a way, yeah. You all have to wear the, the same stuff, you know. You each got your job to do, and it has to be done yep. every day, no matter how hard it is or how hot or what the weather's like. And you think you're being put in those situations and you're, you're stressed or boredom or whatever. That puts a lot of, you really are forced to, and there's no distractions right so you're really forced to conquer all these faults in yourself because that's Mm. when they really start to come out yeah your thoughts are going crazy and you're having these terrible thoughts and you got to conquer them and you're tempted for all this stuff or anger and frustration i mean something that we don't even deal with here because we're too distracted yeah too distracted even acknowledge (laughs) But anyway, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he tied up these robbers and he didn't know what to do with them. So he dragged them to the elders and said, I did not find find it to be the Christian thing to hurt them or kill them. What do we do with them? Mm-hmm. And the elders told him to let them go. Let them be free. And they took care of them just like they did St. Moses. And they saw their former leader who was one of the most ruthless people they knew saw how he was completely transformed and they ended up following his example and repented and baptized and joined became monks. Yeah. Joined them, <laughs> joined the monastery, which would, and, I, and I, that's crazy. I mean, really, if you think about it, because not only did this one monastery convert a very ruthless, cold hearted person, but they ended up doing three more. You know, so I find, I don't know. It's just, that's amazing to me how that, that ended up working out the way it did. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. And what what's real interesting is some of these stories of midway through his life as a monk and towards the end of his life. And I found a few different ones. And so like we said, he's, trying to do his absolute best to live the Christian life. Mm-hmm. And obviously like any person or monk, 
there's a lot of struggles and passions. And so here I'll, I'll do a couple little stories. Um, sorry, I'm listening to my dog, Winnie playing out there. <laughs> I'm not sure who it is anyway. Um, he's asking an elder how to be delivered from some of these passions. And the elder told him to never eat too much, to remain partly hungry. And it did not work because the passions and all that kept coming in his dreams and he'd wake up with them. So then he taught him an all-night vigil and stood there the whole night in prayer, and he refused to fall asleep. And then there kept arising thoughts about leaving and abandoning this life. And then a vision was shown to him of many demons in the west preparing for battle, and in the east a still greater quantity of angels also ready to fight. And it was explained to him that the power of the angels would prevail prevail over the power of the demons. And in the long struggle, it was necessary for him to cleanse himself from these passions. Huh. Say, saying that these passions and these struggles are demons afflicting you. Yeah. But it's not hopeless. Yeah, through the power of God, you'll, you'll overcome these... Uh these passions these these demons i guess right the good like this the these spiritual entities in the spiritual life is real yeah and the good outweighs the bad at the end as long as you stick to it but but one that i found real interesting is um what happened later in his years well actually we gotta back up a little bit because to finish that story we were just talking about of him trying to conquer these passions and whatnot, well, he would always go to the well and carry the buckets of water since he was the strongest. And a lot of the elders were older and weak. Mm-hmm. Well, he's struggling with these passions. And like the elder told him, you know, don't give up this fight. It's worth it. You oh, just yeah. have to struggle. Demon comes and hits him in the back of the head and knocks him out by the well. And he's out all night until morning. And the monks find him, and it takes a handful of them to carry him back. Yeah. And he wakes up, and the elder says, you've already beaten the passions and the demons. Take the holy mysteries, and it'll be over. And the holy mysteries being the Eucharist or communion. Yeah. And that's what he did. And the torment stopped. Huh. Interesting. That is interesting. But, I, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, because you kind of look at, you know, the right before you, right, I'm a, I'm a firm believer in the aspect of right before something is going to get easier or your, the thing's about done is when it's its hardest. Yeah. No matter what the job is. what Say you're even if you're working on your vehicle or have a project you're wanting to do, <clears throat> the end work is always the hardest. You know, getting going's hard. Everything in the middle ain't too bad. And then the end is the hardest. Because if you look at it, say like from a woodworking perspective, what's the hardest thing to do on woodworking? The finish work. 
you know yeah me i make knives what what do i constantly bitch about to you that's the hardest part on a knife the finish work you know making it look nice making it look presentable you know it'd be like if you had a really long hill to run up you know first it's hard to get yourself to start Mm. and then but it's the higher up you get and the closer you are to the finish, the more tired and worn out you're going to be. Yeah, absolutely. So that's why to me that kind of makes, makes perfect sense as to the, to what happened. Yeah. You have to endure. Yeah. Huh. And two, two more stories are, but these are both shorter. Um, so not all his struggles ended, but the torment stopped. Yeah. Um, but he went to the elder again and said, I'm not perfect enough. Mm-hmm. You know, I need, I need to be better. And he's frustrated that he's not. Yeah. So the elder takes him up to the roof right before, right as the sun starts rising. And the elder tells St. Moses, only slowly do the rays of the sun drive away the night and usher in a new day. And thus, only slowly does one become a perfect contemplative contemplative. I agree with that. It's a slow slow process. Yeah. And none of it's easy. (laughs) And one more quick story in his later life. um, There was a monk among them, among them, a brother. Um, It doesn't say specifically what he did, but, committed some sin or some fault and all the monks were having a meeting about what to do about him. You know, what, what's the appropriate, appropriate punishment. And Moses refused to go. And they held another one. And, uh, as he was walking there, he had two jugs of water from the well Mm -hmm. with each one having a hole in it. And he walked it all the way in, walked it all the way through the church and into the sanctuary, these buckets leaking water. Mm-hmm. And they're looking at him, you know, like, what are you doing? Well, one one version is it was sand. Doesn't matter. Yeah. It's leaking. And he says to him, my sins run out behind me and I do not see them. But today I am coming to judge the errors of another man. Huh. So he's pretty much saying you commit sins all day, every day. And you just don't realize it. You don't see it. You ignore your own faults, but you're entertained and righteous enough to judge someone else. Mm-hmm. So he's just kind of pointing out you have no right to judge. Well, and, and what's kind of what's what's cool about that is the fact that I got there's a picture on on here of his icon. Mm-hmm. for the orthodox church or i guess it'd be either church but yeah it's in, he's holding a scroll you know he's got one hand up in blessing and he's holding a scroll and it says he who seeth his own sins seeth not the sins of others yeah that's about this that's exactly the same thing so that, that's what i was wondering where that i was kind of wondering where that script came from and now that that makes perfect sense yeah there's there's a lot of stories and the saints of, um, you know, like a phrase, uh, pick the weeds in your own garden. Yeah. Focus on yourself. You know, the only way you get better is by acknowledging your own sins and your own faults and focusing on 
fixing yourself. Don't look at others and like, oh man, they get angry easy or man, they're sleeping around with whoever and I'm just going to go gossip and talk about them all day Mm -hmm. while the whole time you're just getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And pretty soon you're going to be just like them. (laughs) That's a hard thing to do. Yeah, it it is. And that's kind of what we were talking about with our quotes quotes today, you know? Yeah. It all kind of, we've made full circle. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. That that was my hope. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Believe it or not, I semi-planned for that. I never do that. I'm glad you planned. (laughs) But yeah. I I didn't know where it was going. If we we get anything out of all this, it's it's, um, transformation and change is absolutely possible. Yeah. And it takes patience and it takes time. But above all, it takes discipline and commitment to it. And resilience. Right. And... Focus on yourself and stop worrying about other people and what they're doing wrong. Yeah, I agree. Well, and I guess to kind of get towards the the end of talking about him, he did eventually become the spiritual leader of a colony of hermits in the Western Desert, Mm -hmm. which there's really not a whole lot about that. And he was actually ordained a priest at some point. So he did eventually move up in, in the church to to an extent. Yeah. And, and he, he died, how old? 75. Yeah. Yep, he died at age 75, which back then was, you were fucking old. And that's still old today. I mean, a lot of people die in their 60s and 70s. Yeah. Unfortunately. And, but what's kind of a, kind of wild about about that is in the year he he died in 405 word came that the mazis mazis a group of berbers which are like uh kind of like just pirates thugs whatever you want to renegades renegades however you want to think of them something like that plan to attack the monastery well the brothers wanted to defend themselves but moses uh forbid it he told them to retreat rather than take up weapons, citing that a violent death was the appropriate death for a former robber. All who take and said, "All who take the sword will perish by the sword." He opted to remain behind. He was joined by seven others, and they were together martyred by the bandits on the twenty fourth of of Peony, which is July first. I guess yeah. by that calendar says that the him and the seven greeted them with open arms offering love and whatever they want. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they killed them all. But there he is quoting Jesus, you know, all who take up the sword will die by the sword. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it, it, to me, it's just amazing. You know, the man who would, who however many years earlier would have been and likely been in that group was now standing there with open arms willing to help any of them people who were yeah who he would he would have been say 50 years earlier yeah he he's in a way saw his past self and tried to love it yeah which i mean i guess there's i guess if you have to go i guess that'd be the way to do it for a man man like that yeah 
That'd be an interesting person to sit down and talk to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man. Well, yeah, that's that's a lot of food for thought things to think about. Honestly. Yeah, yeah. It, it really is. I mean it's a it's a very uh kind of a very powerful message of of what you can accomplish if you put your mind to it. Yeah, you have to really want it. And I don't know. I mean, I guess not all of us are granted the opportunity to meet people that are just full of joy, peace, and contentment. Yeah. Uh, to have that experience of, oh, there is another way to live. That's true. And but there's also on the other foot, you have people that have had the that have had the opportunity and have met those kind of people, but kind of think, Oh, I don't need to do that. Or don't learn from the opportunity of meeting said people. Or why don't you just be <laughs> one of them? Yeah. You know, that obviously they'd say they got their peace and joy and contentment from communion with God, a relationship with God. So you can do that yourself. Yeah. Be one of those people. Absolutely. So I guess we can move on to our interesting fact if you have one. I do not. Okay. But I might be able to find one. Well, you want me to go ahead and go? Yes. So mine, my fact, is just something I came across here recently. But <clears throat> I guess there's, I did, and this I found strange. So like, there's, you know how they call like deer is venison? They say what? Deer meat is called venison. I did not know that. So they have different names for stuff like that. Well, there's a, a meat called squab, which I guess is like served in like the fancier restaurants and stuff. And you know what that is? That's pigeon. Domesticated pigeons. Really? And tip and they're it's kind of like a situation with veal, but they're they're roughly four week old pigeons. What do you think about that? Doesn't bother me none. <laughs> well, and because if I have a moment to tell a little story, yeah. But my grandma, my mom's mom, always told me stories about uh, her brother. Think it was Bob or Bill, one of them. <clears throat> During uh, World War II, when they were rationing meat, he would go out in the barn with a twenty-two or a BB gun or whatever he had at the time, and would shoot pigeons, and that's what they would eat. That was their their meat for the most part. You know, of course, if they had chickens or whatever else, they had that too. But you know, beef was being rationed, pork was being rationed. And so to kind of substitute that in, they shoot squirrels and rabbits and pigeons. Hmm. And, yeah. and of course, doves. Doves, you know, there's a whole dove season. <laughs> but yeah. I can't really... You eat what you can eat. Well, and if you really sit down and think about it, I mean, a pigeon and a dove really ain't too different. If anything, a pigeon's fatter and you get more meat off of it. Yeah, it's just... It's meat. 
Just yeah. something most people aren't used to. But because yeah. neither one what's eats. Wrong with it. A, a pigeon really doesn't eat anything nasty. It ain't like a vulture. Right. <laughs> you know. Roadkill. Yeah, I don't think I'd eat a vulture. I think I'd eat a skunk for eight a vulture. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So, but yeah, I just I just found that was interesting. You know, because it's one of them things that you know. Some people are like, oh, a squab, you know, it's so fancy. Like, you know, I can go shoot you a fucking pigeon if you'd like. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> that doesn't sound as cool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I found one. <clears throat> Did you? It's going to have a lot of numbers. Mm. A cloud weighs around a million tons. Damn. It says a cloud typically has a volume of around... One kilometer to the power of three. And one, cubic, density, one cubic kilometer. Yeah, one cubic. Of around 1.003 kilograms per... I don't even know what that means. So it's saying that's a density that's around 0.4% lower than the air surrounding it. So that's why they float. So it's barely, barely lower. Yeah. So it's low enough to float because it's lower than the air. But just barely. But collectively, about a million tons. Huh. That's, huh. All right. I did not know that. <laughs> a lot of weight hanging above you. Yeah. Well, would you think, though, from down here, the cloud looks small? You yeah. Know? And if it's one cubic kilometer, that's that. that's a pretty big, that's... You know, basically, essentially, think of it this way: if you want to look at imperial units, that's a half mile long by a half mile wide by a half mile tall. Yeah. You know that that big some bitch. That's <clears throat> a lot. Excuse me. But yeah. Huh. All right. <laughs> Even the fucking facts were kind of. The sky may fall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, chicken little. <laughs> uh, all right. Yeah. And I guess. Uh, I'll uh, say my song yeah. uh, request. Yeah. So I actually listened to this quite a few times because it's Craig Morgan, uh, the country music singer sings International Harvester. You know mm -hmm. what I'm talking about? Yeah. He released a new album where he sings with a bunch of different uh, country artists. Well, he, uh, well, and I don't know if Jelly Rolls got country music or not. I'm not 100% sure. But anyway, regardless, he, uh, released a new song i believe he sings it with luke combs but it's uh called raise the bar and it's just a song about blue collar men going in a bar you know and ha you know having a good time after a long work week hmm. i thought it was kind of fitting that's what me and gage like to do on a friday when we get off early we like to go have a couple beers and have some good food chill out <laughs> you know yeah. So, um, just pick one at random if you want. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. I'm trying to. I actually have one in mind. Is it gonna be like the one with the violinist, where you can't find it for two weeks? Huh. <laughs> yeah, I still don't know what that is. All right, here it is. It's called "A Little Bit of Everything" by Dawes. D A W E S. I have no idea. Yeah. It's a good song. A little bit of everything. It'll make you cry. <laughs> All right. Fair enough.
All right. Well, hope you enjoyed the episode and plenty to think about for some good self-reflection. Yeah, absolutely. You all take care and have a good one. We'll see you before Christmas.